And I do apologize this morning. I printed off all my notes and then I left them on the printer. So we're just going to follow God this morning. Ruth chapter 4, verse number 9. And Boaz said unto the elders and unto all the people, Ye are witnesses this day that I have bought all that was Elimelech's and all that was Chilion's and Malon's of the hand of Naomi. Moreover, Ruth the Moabitess, the wife of Malon, have I purchased to be my wife, to raise up the name of the dead upon his inheritance, that the name of the dead be not cut off from among his brethren and from the gate of his people. Ye are witnesses this day. And all the people that were in the gate and the elders said, We are witnesses. The Lord make the woman that is come into thine house like Rachel and like Leah, which too did build the house of Israel. And do thou worthily in Ephrathah and be famous in Bethlehem. And let thy house be like the house of Perez, whom Tamar bare unto Judah, and the seed which the Lord shall give thee to this young woman. So Boaz took Ruth, and, he was his, and she was his wife. And when he went in unto her, the Lord gave her conception, and she bare a son. And the woman said unto Naomi, Blessed be the Lord, which hath not left thee this day without a kinsman, that his name may be famous in Israel, and he shall be unto thee a restorer of thy life, and a nourisher of thine old age, for thy daughter-in-law which loveth thee, which is better to thee than seven sons hath borne him. And Naomi took the child and laid it in her bosom, and they came nurse unto it. And the, and the women, her neighbors, gave it a name, saying, There is a son born to Naomi, and they called his name Obed, for he is the father of Jesse, the father of David. Now these are the generations of Pharaohs. Pharaohs begat Hezron, and Hezron begat Ram, and Ram begat Amminadab, and Amminadab begat Nashon, and Nashon begat Salmon, and Salmon begat Boaz, and Boaz begat Obed, and Obed begat Jesse, and Jesse begat David. Before we start this morning, would you bow with me in a word of prayer? Do you have any father? prayed with these pastors, and as I've prayed with these men, I'm going to try this over here, see if it doesn't pop as much. As we prayed with these men, we were praying for the person to come to our, uh, the tent revival to see God change hearts and lives. You, you drive all the way around here from, all the way down from Minster to Salina, uh, to Spencerville, to St. Mary's, uh, to all these different Costus, Delphus, all the different towns around here. You know what you find? You find people who are struggling with life. They need something. We find churches that, that uh, uh, they've got pastors who stand up and they don't proclaim the gospel. They don't teach the gospel. They might not even know it themselves. And as we pray for these people and as we pray for revival, as we pray for God to have a mighty work and a moving, there's got to be something that we understand beforehand. And I think that's what this message is this morning. I do appreciate the opportunity. It's a great privilege to stand behind this desk. And, and as I got to know Pastor Warnick and got to, to know him and, and, and hear him pray and hear and see his heart, to realize just you've got a wonderful church here a wonderful place that you can come. This is the place God has for you. If you're not a member here and you come on a regular basis, shame on you. If you're here, he didn't tell me, he's not paying me to, to say this. If you're here and you're a member and you're not active, shame on you. 
How dare you claim the name of Christ and come to the house of God and sit there and wait for God just to feed you? We should get up and do something for Him. I, th- I understand it doesn't take works to get saved, but faith without works is dead. Our works show people that we are saved. Shame on you if all you do is come here and sit and expect a, a blessing and expect God to, to bless you because you're here. Ruth chapter 4, let me get back in the message. I'll take too many rabbit trails if I'm not careful. We know the story here. Ruth is, she's a Moabitess. When the family left and went to Moab, Malon and Chilion married Orpha and Ruth. Malon married Ruth and, or- and uh, um, Chilion married Orpha. We understand the story. Let me, if you're not familiar with it, Elimelech died and Naomi buries her husband. Malon and Chilion they marry daughters of the children of Moab and it breaks Naomi's heart because it's not what God has for you. Boys and girls, let me say this. Their, your life is special and God has somebody for you to marry. And it's not somebody who doesn't come to church. It's not somebody who, who lives like the world. It's not somebody like that. God wants you to be somebody special. And, and adults here, we have an obligation to raise our children in a place that's safe like like Calvary Chapel. Get your children involved in the things of the church. But Naomi, Naomi buries her husband. Malon and Chilion bring to her the news that they're going to get married. And she says, well, why can't we wait? Do you know what her testimony is? They left in Ruth chapter 1. They left because there was a famine in the land. But when she's coming back after Orpah kisses her, her last kiss goodbye and kisses her last chance away, it took no faith to make Orpah's choice. But Ruth claves to her and follows her. Verse number 21 of, of chapter 1, the Bible says, I went out full, this is Naomi speaking, I went out full and the Lord hath brought me home again empty. She thought she was empty when she was in God's blessing. But she found out when she got out of the place where God has, that's where emptiness is. And she came back to find God because she found out it's full where God is. Ruth, we understand the story. Ruth goes out and she begins to glean the fields and God brings her across the path of Boaz. And and through the story, we find here that Ruth and Boaz are going to get married and they get married in Ruth chapter 4. And Boaz goes to the people and and he he says, you're witnesses. This is what's going to happen. I'm buying in verse, we already read this in verse 9. I've bought all that was Elimelech's and all that was Malon's and Chilean's of the hand of Naomi. He had redemption as the kinsman redeemer. He redeemed everything that was Elimelech's. He redeemed everything that was Malon's. He redeemed everything that was Chilean's. May I submit to you, that included Orpah. But where was Orpah? She chose to remain in the washcloth. Here's Ruth. Redeemed. And she gets to marry. <laughs> if you read the story like how we think in our humanistic, secular mindset of a modern day movie, if I could use this crude illustration to represent the Word of God, she gets to marry the prince. Here's Ruth. On their wedding day, 
there's joy and there's excitement. But the problem comes when Obed is born. Because Obed is born, remember that Boaz redeemed Ruth. He redeemed all that was Malon's. He redeemed all that was Chilean's, all that was Elimelech's. He redeemed all those things. And here comes Obed. And here's my message this morning. Obed, I have one question for you. Obed. Boys and girls, you get a kick out of this. Here's my title of my message. Ready? Who's your daddy? Who's your daddy? You know what? I want, to, I want us to look at this from God's perspective. And I think when we get to the end of this, we'll realize God has an answer that far surpasses what we see. Let's look here. The Bible says in Ruth chapter 4, verse number 10, Moreover, Ruth the Moabitess, the wife of Malon, have I purchased to be my wife. Why? To raise up the name of the dead upon his inheritance, that the name of the dead be not cut off from among his brethren and from the gate of his place. Ye are witnesses this day. Let's jump back, if you will, to Deuteronomy chapter 25. Deuteronomy chapter 25, verse 6. Deuteronomy 25, verse 6. The Bible says, And it shall be that the firstborn which she beareth shall succeed in the name, and in the name of his brother which is dead, and his, that his name be not put out of Israel. So I'm not going to read the whole passage, but it's talking about the Leveret marriage here. And it's talking about if someone is married and has no children and the spouse dies, the husband dies, that she's supposed to marry his brother. And if his brother, uh, the, the seed that is, that is born there, the firstborn son, doesn't become the, the son of the new husband, of the father, his, he is written on the account of the deceased to raise up the name of the dead that his name perish not. Obed is here and he's born. And truly, according to the Leveret marriage law, Obed would be the son, not of Boaz, but of Malon. We have a problem here. Because when we read through the whole, the whole story here, we find that Boaz begets Obed. So we ask the question, Obed, who's your daddy? Your earthly father, the one who gave you life, is Boaz. But your name should be accounted to Malon. Who is your daddy, Boaz or Obed? Who is it? Would you give me some clarification? Let you help me understand here. I've got to move quickly. Your preacher said I've got until 1.30 to preach, so I've got to move quickly here. You think I'm joking. <laughs> Who is your daddy? Who is your daddy? I want to know. Well, let's, let's look at this a little bit. I can hear Obed when he gets a little older. He says, well, he says, well, let, let me tell you the whole story. Let me tell you the story about my mom. You see, my mom, she didn't grow up like you and I grow up, grew up. 
She didn't grow up in a place of God's blessing. She didn't grow up knowing God. She didn't grow up knowing the power and the presence of God. She grew up in the heathen land. Let me just stay on this side of the story here. My mom married somebody who was running from God. He wasn't where he was supposed to be. He was running from God. My mom, Ruth, she was a heathen. She didn't worship the God of heaven. She worshiped the God of Molech. Some people, some people say that Ruth and Orpah may have been daughters of, of the king there, may have been leaders in, in, in their tribes and leaders there in Moab. I can't say that for sure, but somebody who was very well-known and, and very well-desired, and here she says, let me, Obed says, let me tell you about my mom. She's 0% Jew. There's nothing in her that would say she's separated and different. My, my Malon, <laughs> his family not only left and got out of God's will, I believe, but they also married the heathen. My mom's not a great story to have. He says, let me stop for a minute. Let me tell you about my dad. Boaz. Boaz, some people speculate, was he's already owned a lot of land. He already has his fields. His, he, he's a well-established businessman. But in that day of culture, boys and girls, do you know what happened when, when boys and girls, boys were about 15 or 16 years old? Girls were 13 to 14 year olds when they got married. As a 15, 16 year old boy, you know what Boaz had? Nobody to marry. Boaz gets older, he accumulates uh, through inheritance or through his father's lands, I don't know what, but he accumulates lands, he's got fields, he's got everything, but you know what he doesn't have, which is in that day important? He doesn't have a family. Why? <laughs> They've been the social outcast. Nobody wanted to arrange a marriage and marry Boaz. Nobody wanted Boaz. Why? Well, let me, let me help you understand this. Let's go to Matthew. Matthew chapter 1. Let me help you understand a little bit about Obed. I want to tell you about my dad. About my earthly, physical father. He says in, in Matthew chapter 1, verse number 5, And Salmon begat Boaz of... Are you there in your Bible? I want you to read that for me. Salmon begat Boaz of... Rechab. Also known as Rahab the harlot. Did you know that? Boaz says, let me tell you, my mom was the harlot at Jericho. My dad's only half a Jew. My dad, his, he, was, he was an outcast. Boaz says, I was an outcast because my mom was a heathen. I want you to picture this here. Here we have a half a Jew and a whole 
Gentile, and they get married, and here comes Obed, <laughs> who's 100% in the line of Christ. May I submit to you that only grace can do that? Only grace can do this. We move back to this question. Who's your daddy? Who's your daddy? And we begin to wonder because if it's, if it's Malon, it's not a great lineage to carry. If it's Boaz, it's not a great lineage to carry. May I submit to you as we beg God for 1,200 souls some of us might have the mindset, we need to go get the rich people. And if they come, praise the Lord. Some people might say, you know what, bus kids, I don't feel this way and I don't believe this church does, but you know what, there's people in this world who think if you can't come with your family, you shouldn't be in church. I think that's totally erroneous. I don't think that's biblical at all. I want you to understand this. This is very, very important. They're doing a great job. This is very, very important. We sometimes think, if I just have the right lineage, if I grow up in church, then I can be something for God. If I grow up and, and I'm faithful all the days of my life and I never go out into the world, then I can be used of God. You know what? Nothing can be farther from the truth. Obed, who is your daddy? Who is it? Obed says... That's just the history. I want you to see something. You see, verse number 16. And Naomi took the child and laid it in her bosom and became nurse unto it. Can you picture Naomi holding this baby who literally she has absolutely no bloodline connection to. Her son has passed away. Her daughter-in-law has returned. Her daughter-in-law is redeemed by another member of Elimelech's family. She is restored, but Naomi is sitting here holding Obed, whom she has no lineage, no connection, bloodline to. Verse number 15 the women are talking to Naomi and they say, and he shall be, speaking of Obed, he shall be unto thee a restorer of thy life and a nourisher of thine old age. Obed says, let me tell you what I learned while I sat on grandma's lap. Let me tell you what she taught me. Because my grandma who left when she thought she was empty but found out she was leaving full and she came back when she thought have something but she came back totally empty. And she comes back and she says, don't call me Naomi, don't call me Mary Sunshine, call me Mara for God's dealt bitterly with me. And as I sit and learn as she sits on her lap, she says, listen, I could tell you all about Ruth the Moabitess. I could tell you all about Boaz, the daughter of the harlot. But it's not about who's your daddy. It's not about the right line. 
get this, it's about the redeemed line. Boys and girls, it doesn't make a difference who your mom and dad is. It doesn't make a difference if they come to church or not. It doesn't make a difference if they're not even a Christian. Do you know what? God has something for you. And it makes no difference what the right line is. It's part of the redeemed line. God can make something of you. You know what? As we pray for this tent revival, it doesn't make a difference where the people come from. We want them to get saved and get part of a local New Testament church where they can grow and do something for God, where they can be something for God. I might be looking at the next missionary to, to go and reach some foreign country. One of you may stand behind a pulpit one day and preach because it's not about who's your daddy. It's about the redeemed line. You know what? Some people say, well, we shouldn't go after the bus kids. May I submit to you that sometimes they're more open than anybody else. And shame on you if you sit in this church and say, I don't know why we bring the bus kids in. They tear up the place. We've got to replace the carpet. They stick gum underneath the pew every time they come in church. We've got to clean all this stuff. They leave a mess in the bathroom. We have to pay all this money for insurance for a bus and for a van and put gas in it. And these kids don't even put anything in the offering plate. Don't they realize how much expense? Pastor, we should do away with all this. May I submit to you, I'll fully on all that. Just because we might, they, we might not know, they might not know, somebody might not know who their physical daddy is, we can say, There's, it's not about the right line. It's about the redeemed line. Amen. Boys and girls, you draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. He said, Pastor Hub, I was saved when I was 30 years old. God saved me out of a world of alcohol, drugs, pleasing myself in any way I thought was right. God can't use me. You're wrong. It's not about the right line. It's about the redeemed line. Obed says, if I could just get you to understand what my grandma taught me, Anybody who follows the Lord, though they be from the heathen land of Moab, from God's washpot, they can see God's blessings. Though they be the, the son of a harlot and a half-Jew and having absolutely no prospect for marriage, though they be that person, if they follow God and trust God, He can restore life. Though they be the grandma who sits back and says, my life is destroyed, I'm bitter at God because He's taken everything, God restores it and gives it back. Listen, when God steps in, you say, Pastor, don't you realize this is the Old Testament? All right. You're right. You're right. I'm in the Old Testament. We live in the New Testament age. But the New Testament says it this way. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Right. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. That's the day and age in which you and I live. You say, I, I, I didn't grow up in church. I didn't grow up going through all this. These bus kids have more Bible in them than I had before the time I was 30 or 40. You know what? If you're part of the redeemed line, as the songwriter says, the songwriter says let the redeemed of the Lord say so. May I submit to you, you have an opportunity to get somebody to church then I'll never have that opportunity to. 
you have an opportunity to talk to your coworker, to your neighbor that I may never in a hundred lives ever meet. You say, Pastor, there's, I know the way they live. Because <laughs> when we leave our windows down, we can hear everything that goes on in their house. <laughs> if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. It's time for us as Christians to stand up in this day in which everyone is so afraid and to say, listen, there is hope. There is a God that is my refuge. And though fear abounds all around us, I can just trust in God. It's time for Christians to stand up and say, it doesn't make a difference about my past. I have this day, today, and the rest of my days to serve God and to live for Him. I may not have the right line, but I'll tell you one thing. I've got a redeemed line. How about you this morning? You living in defeat? Are you part of the redeemed line? You say, Pastor, what do you mean by that? Has there ever been a day when you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. You came to him and said, God, I'm a sinner and I deserve hell. I'm a Gentile, I'm a heathen. <laughs> Maybe somebody says, I'm the harlot. And you know what Obad would say? Would you write off that line and just write this, redeemed. Redeemed how I love to proclaim it. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redeemed through his infinite mercy. His child and forever I am. Are you part of the redeemed line this morning? Then boys and girls, May I submit to you, it doesn't make a difference who Daddy is. Because we have a Heavenly Father. If you don't know that, Pastor, I'll give you an opportunity. Somebody can take the Word of God and show you how you can know for sure you're saved. You say, Pastor, I know 100% sure I'm saved. And praise the Lord. Are we living like it? Or are we still living in defeat, thinking our earthly lineage determines how God can use us? Let's rise up and be a new person, a new creature in Christ. I'm going to pray and turn it over to our pastor.